Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What up, TCK Potters? I'm your host, Sky Guasco, and this is episode 110 of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast. Today, I'm joined by longtime brother and former co host of the TCK Pod, Daniel Stancato. This episode, we cover our 2019 gamers and will not draft players. On the next episode, we'll cover our bold predictions and crazy calls. Just a heads up before we get into the episode today, in the wake of the Andrew Luck retirement and Lamar Miller suffering a season-ending injury, Daniel and I go into the Houston backfield options and break down the Colts' fantasy outlook before this podcast. By this time, you've probably heard all of this information from other sources, so if you'd rather get right to the episode, I recommend you skip ahead about 10 or 15 minutes, but if you'd like to hear our takes as well, of course, we encourage you to listen in. I did make a post about Lamar Miller and Andrew Luck on social media if you'd rather get the info that way, and also I was in transit for a wedding down in uh, Central California. Southern California, rather, this weekend. Um, so our uh, reception is a little spotty during this podcast, so I apologize for any glips. But that's enough business for now. Let's talk some football. We've got a lot to cover. Let's get into it. All right, folks, we're back at it today. We got Daniel back in the place. Coming in for another episode, we are breaking down our gamers and our will-not-draft list of players, but before we get into it, we need to talk about some news that happened over the weekend. We generally, over the preseason, we do not do news and notes on the regular because it's just too much information to cover. Right now, we're only doing two episodes a week, so generally, we just the nature of what we do, us personally on the TCK pod, we just can't keep up with the news and the notes, but... Um, you know, without burying the lead here, Andrew Luck calls it a career, officially retires from the Colts, and on the same day, Lamar Miller tears his ACL and his MCL. He's out for the season. In, um, in, in grotesque fashion, I might add. It was a, yes, a gnarly one. It was gnarly. Um, let's talk Lamar Miller very quickly, and then let's, uh, let's go over Andrew Luck and the situation with the Colts in general. Um, so right away, Lamar Miller's done for the year. Uh, that brings in new acquisition, uh, Duke Johnson, who comes in from Cleveland. Duke Johnson hasn't been able to have a three down role yet in the NFL for the most part. Um, he was a featured back at Miami, but he hasn't really gotten that opportunity with any, you know, consistency in Cleveland. He basically asked to get out of Cleveland once they brought Kareem Hunt in. He got his wish. He goes to Houston. All of a sudden, he goes from a backup. They get rid of Deonta Foreman, and now with Lamar Miller down, Duke Johnson is, as of this podcast, the number one option in Houston. I think they're going to sign somebody. There's been a couple whispers in the bushes of some other guys out there. Jay Ajayi's out there. Doug Martin's out there. Um, I don't want to bring up the Melvin Gordon thing again necessarily, but that could be an option maybe. There's a lot going on. What are your first takeaways from Lamar Miller here? Yeah, the, just really quickly, the other name that I that I think has a reasonably significant chance actually is Carlos Hyde, who's most likely going to get cut from the Chiefs, I think, um, and uh, and he could be could be added as a as a potential change of pace to to Duke Johnson. Yeah, I I, I mean obviously this is a big blow. I mean, you know, Lamar Miller was interesting because he was always you know thoroughly mediocre, but was kind of a you know 
one of the few remaining sort of bell cow ish running backs in the league. I mean, he could handle a pretty significant workload. Um, he, you know, wasn't uh, necessarily, you know, usually in danger of, of uh, you know, falling prey to a committee. Um, so though his numbers, you know, on a per play basis were not, you know, spectacular, he was relatively consistent at the very least in terms of touches. Um, so, so it, you know, it is a pretty significant kind of change uh, to the, to the running back landscape in the NFL. I, I, I've always been a fan of Duke Johnson. It's funny. I've drafted him, I think, in at least one, one league in each of the past two or maybe even three seasons, for, certainly two, and it's never paid off. Um, you know, and now he might have the chance to be a true three down back. Although, like I said, I think they bring somebody in as a change of pace. I don't think, I do think he'll end up in to some extent as, as part of some sort of timeshare, but he is going to be the lead dog. I think he will, is very much worth drafting, particularly in the kind of middle to early middle rounds. I think he's always had more talent than he was allowed to show in Cleveland. Uh, it just didn't, wasn't a situation in which he was able to thrive. Um, so I, I don't think they're going to bring in somebody like Melvin Gordon, who's going to completely just supersede the, the role and, 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 you know, become the, become the man. I think they'll get somebody who can, who can be more of a change of pace, but yeah, so I'm, I'm actually all in on Duke. I think um, I, I will say that I think they're going to throw the, the, Texans are going to throw a shit ton of passes, um, yep. which also helps Duke. But I think, you know, with presumably with a potentially healthy Will Fuller, Kiki Kuti, and of course, uh, New Hopkins, you know, we'll see what type of role the running backs on that team even have. But, but I, I nevertheless, I think, I think Duke is a solid play right now. Right. And I've spent a lot of time on this podcast talking about Lamar Miller and throwing shade. Um, yeah. and, and as I always say, you know, it has nothing to do with the player. It's a situation or whatever. Um, he has, though, you're right, been consistent. He's kind of always been an RB2, at least uh, in there, getting a great work share on a high powered offense and getting enough yardage. is just never sexy or, you know, big big play games per se. Um, but that being said, it is difficult to, to lose a, you know, bell cow, as you mentioned, um, one of the few in the league there. So he's done Duke Johnson in maybe somebody back in Houston, make sure you uh, stay tuned to the uh, social medias for us to update there where we do pretty consistently, but we only do two podcasts a week. So next grip of news, um, you know, of course, you know, Andrew Luck retires, uh, somewhat surprisingly, of course, to actually hear him retire, but I made a, a long post um, on Instagram and Twitter about it. When, Read that with, shit, listeners. It's a really good post. My man Sky killed it. Read it. With, with really just you know a personal reaction um, on a human level and then a fantasy football reaction. And really my immediate takeaway was just on a football level, um, it's disappointing. Fantasy players, you know, they're all disappointed. People are – man, I've seen – I've seen some of the bigger accounts, you know, people, some of these guys out here with 50, a thousand, a hundred thousand followers just getting reamed uh, by all of their followers about how they, you know, tricked them into drafting Andrew Luck and shit and had him <laughs> rank super high and all this. And it yeah. just makes me absolutely furious, dude. Yeah. Like, first of all, you know, understand that these guys are human beings, first of all. Secondly, Daniel, I think you made a perfect call when you and I were talking about our first reaction. We don't actually own these people. <laughs> um, this is a game and we don't actually control them and we don't own their situation. So for him to do what he needed to do was the best thing for him and his family and the rest of his life. So I wish him well on a personal level. I just put out a relation to it. Uh, I had to step away from my dream career a few years ago um, for, you know, reasons I don't need to get into on this podcast, but nonetheless, I basically worked my ass off for a decade to get to a place in my dream job 
got to the top essentially and walked away um, because I was just unable to fulfill my job to my full capabilities. And it was the most difficult situation I've ever made in my life and decision. So I certainly understand where he's coming from on, on a human level. And you watch that interview. It's really sad because the PR group for the Indianapolis Colts should all be fucking fired because somebody leaked that while he was on the sideline at the game, he gets booed walking off the field, which is one of the most disgraceful things I've ever seen a fan base do, especially who he is and what he's done. And then he gets basically forced into doing a press conference after the game where he wanted to do it the following day after the game. And it just, it's awkward. I feel bad for him. He was put in a, a bad situation. And so it's just a rough, it's a rough thing. I mean, obviously fantasy football wise, he is obviously gone. Um, so you remove him out of your rankings and I'll let you talk about the rest of the Colts here in just one second. Um, I know you're going to dive into one of them a little deeper later on in this podcast, but it is really, really unfortunate. Um, not so much that he retired, but more like the backlash of like the fantasy football community. Uh, I've been kind of disappointed to be honest with you with a lot of like the followers and the people I, uh, you know, cruise with on the social medias. It's been a little disappointing to see the backlash and, and like legit anger people have in this guy who has been one of the best at his position for the last seven years. And he's been injured for half of that. And um, one of the nicest fucking human beings on the planet. And people are giving him shit because he had to step away from, you know, some pretty gruesome injuries. So I've said my piece. I have a nice long post on social media if you want to hear more from me. But, uh, Daniel, I'll get your reaction here. Yeah, I just uh, – I, I, like I said, I, I sent a text to, to you and Curly. I was like, I just want to – you know, everybody who's giving him shit, just want to put him up, full pads, helmet, of course, the whole deal, and just have Khalil Mack just lay waste to them one time. Just one time, and tell me, you know, say say that you can't understand why somebody would want to would want to walk away from that. Um, and also, it's important to remember people people change, and uh, and just because this football was his dream job when he was 22 doesn't mean it's his dream job when he's 29. So you know, I think we have to respect people are developing, growing beings, and uh, and it's not it's not fair to, to criticize somebody for for quitting a job quite frankly. Um, I mean, if you quit a job, I, you, you wouldn't like it if somebody got in your face and booed you and said, you know, stick it out. Um, so, so, you know, it's, it's ridiculous. Anyway, enough with the emoting. Um, we are here to talk about, uh, talk about the fantasy ramifications, which of course there are. Uh, the short answer is that everybody pretty much on the Colts gets downgraded. Um, T.Y. Hilton is currently being drafted. What is he? R- roughly around pick 30, I think. And, you know, in, in the wide receiver, kind of the wide receiver one, two border. Um, he's going right now before a tier that includes, I think, Amari Cooper, Stefan Diggs, Julian, uh, Julian Edelman. At the very least, I think you drop him down to, to be, I, I would say, probably on the border, wide receiver two, three, maybe more leaning towards wide receiver three. Um, Hilton played an entire season with Jacoby Brissett. Well, first of all, let me say Jacoby Brissett is one of the more capable backup quarterbacks in the league. So it's not, they're not getting, you know, uh, uh, you know, I don't know, Matt Barkley or something out there. I mean, they're getting a serviceable NFL quarterback, but he played an entire season with, with Jacoby Brissett in 2017. Uh, he caught 57 targets, 966 yards, four touchdowns, not a disaster, but not somebody you want to be taking, uh, you know, in the, in the third ish round or, or fourth or even fourth round. Um, I will say that the difference, uh, the major change is Frank Reich, who uh, is, is kind of an offensive wizard, if you will. They may ran a ton the third most, the Colts ran the third most offensive plays in 2018, fourth most dropbacks. 
they were kind of middle of the pack in terms of rushing attempts. Um, their offensive line improved quite a bit. So I wouldn't necessarily be surprised if, if Hilton improved on his 2017, but anybody expecting the chemistry that he had last year with Andrew Luck will be sorely disappointed. Uh, that being said, I think the guys that take the biggest hit are every other pass catcher, basically. So both of their tight ends, uh, Ebron and, and Jack Doyle, I think are going to, particularly Ebron, um, are, are probably going to you know, be downgraded quite a bit. Uh, Devin Funchess and Paris Campbell are, are now all of a sudden, you know, kind of, uh, I would say, kind of on the low end of fantasy relevance. Somebody you could take a flyer on later in a draft, but not somebody I would necessarily have a whole lot of high hopes for. Um, Marlon Mack is an interesting case um, of, of kind of, you know, they're likely going to obviously run the ball quite a bit more. Um, but, uh, but in the, like I said, the offensive line is, is quite a bit more improved. So, uh, you know, Marlon Mack could, uh, you know, see some some boost with this, but he could also I could see him also, uh, you know, kind of going backwards in the sense of, uh, you know, teams are going to likely stack the box more. You know, he, he'll likely see a lot less room to run. So I could see him going either way. I think the only true winner in this might be Naheem Hines, to be honest, um, who who will likely um, the Colts in general will likely be seeing a lot of negative game scripts. Um, and I think Hines being kind of a, a you know prototypical receiving back might get um, some more action uh, this season and might end up being more valuable than he was with luck. Um, but uh, but we'll see. Obviously, the you know the short story is is that almost the entire Colts offense should should receive something of a downgrade. Now that being said, Jacoby Brissett has looked pretty good in the preseason. He he's yeah. gotten all he's gotten all the work because Luck's been hurt anyway before he stepped down because of injury. Yeah. So this isn't um this isn't a mid season situation where right. all of a sudden Jacoby Brissett's like, All right, kid, <laughs> you're you know, next man up kind of thing. He's he's been in the league for a long time. He was, you know, back up to Tom Brady for a while, uh, then back up to to Andrew Luck. So he's really kind of, you know, second fiddle to two of the best in the league for a long time. So I don't think he's incapable at all, but he's not Andrew Luck. Um, right. And there's something special about Andrew Luck keeping plays alive. His arm is huge. His playmaking ability is is uh, amazing. And his ability to diagnose um, defense and coverages before the play, uh, you know, is top-notch in the league. And, and that that is just a separator. So we've gone through it. Um, I think we've spent enough time yeah. breaking these down. It's just It was just, just kind of a – a disappointing, uh, disappointing weekend, I guess, um, to catch. And actually, I was at a wedding uh, for a good friend of mine, and I, I was in the in the you know desert of uh, Southern California for about eight hours. And I got back to the hotel at about eleven thirty p.m. and just happened to turn my phone on to set an alarm for the next morning, and my fucking phone exploded, dude. Like. 30 text messages and literally every one of them said like verbatim just quote like holy shit andrew luck's retiring that's all it was from like 40 different people um so anyway i didn't even dive into it to the next day but uh pretty pretty intense um let's get into the rest of this man we do have a lot to get into um this is you know i think one of the most um intense i don't know if that's the right word but it's definitely kind of the most maybe meaningful category that we're going to do of all these categories that we've been doing the last um, four episodes uh, or three episodes here. And we got one more coming up um, on Thursday and this is the gamers and the do not draft players. So gamers for us is essentially the player that we're going to put a stamp on. This is our guy. This is the one that would kind of be our ride or die player for the season and do not draft list is, you know, speaks for itself. Um, now, Daniel, we'll get into do not draft, but I'm just curious right off the top. 
do not draft for you specifically. Does this mean you will not pick this player at all, no matter what, or is it always dependent on ADP? It actually kind of depends on the player. Um, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily, the, the four players that I have included in this are not um, the same, uh, in my opinion. I think some of them, uh, well, really I'm thinking one of them, <laughs> is, is in my opinion uh, a flat out. I don't think I would draft him under any circumstances unless he fell majorly, which is, you know, extremely unlikely. And some of the other guys are, are a little bit more like co- comparable to our bust category and that I might take them at a certain ADP, but the ADP would, or excuse me, uh, certain, at, a, at a certain point in the draft, but, but the, that point in the draft is, you know, farther from their ADP than those I included in the bust category. That's kind of where I'm at. Got it. Okay. I'm the same way. It's always yeah. kind of determined on ADP. I was just catching that yeah. real yeah. quick, catch your drift. So um, without any further ado, let's get into our gamers. My gamer at the quarterback position, of course, as always, we are going to do one per uh, position each. My gamer at the quarterback position is Baker Mayfield, ADP quarterback four. He is my quarterback four. Um, He, man, I have, I I battle with him and, and Deshaun Watson, to be honest with you, but now with Lamar Miller hurt. I think like Deshaun's just going to throw the shit out of the ball and he's going to have to run more himself, cementing him at number three for me. But I've had Baker kind of flip-flopping for a little bit. Baker finished QB 11 after taking over in week three, setting the rookie pass touchdown record surpassing Peyton Manning. Baker was fourth in deep ball attempts with 75. That's 5.4 per game that he played. He was ninth in deep ball completion percentage at 41.3% and his Pass catchers dropped an embarrassing 32 passes, which was fourth in the NFL. Obviously, that does not help Baker's stats, um, but that has to have some positive regression there. So I think that you know maybe his team drops, let's just say, 25 passes, and his stats go through the roof there. Baker was seventh in red zone completion, 66.7%, which is excellent, and he threw 20 touchdowns and no interceptions in the red zone. Once again, 20 touchdowns, zero interceptions in the red zone. Oh, by the way, he gets Odell Beckham this year to throw to as well as long as he stays healthy. Love me some Baker Mayfield. Set the league on fire in the second half. Got the Browns off the schneid early. Became an immediate hero in Cleveland last year on Thursday Night Football. Love me some Baker. Yep. Uh, Not a whole lot to add with that. I mean, in general, just I I kind of – I tend to throw more shade on guys like Baker who have sort of limited samples of effectiveness. It was kind of my argument against Deshaun Watson last year, uh, which of course I, I, you know, look silly on now. Um, Baker, I I think, I think with, with the Browns offense and the number of weapons he has um, and uh, you know, I, I agree with everything you said. I think he's, he's definitely somebody I'm buying hard this year. He's probably, let me think QB4. I think I'd probably agree with that now that now that Andrew Luck's gone. I think that's probably I think that's that's probably where I'd rate him. Um, I I think he's a kind of a far cry, as a matter of fact, ahead of probably all everybody who's coming after him. So so yeah. So I, I'm, I'm I think I'm with that ranking. The only uh, one that the only one that's in his range for me at the at the four or five area would be Matt Ryan. But um, I just I think Baker's as long as Odell stays healthy, of course. I just think Baker's 
got it this year. I really do. I know there's all the arguments for Matt Ryan, who I love. He's playing like 13 of his games in indoors this year. And Julio Jones is about to be paid the most. Uh, he's about to surpass Michael Thomas in um, the highest paid receiver and all that. And I love me some Julio Jones. I just think overall that the Browns, the Browns are for real. I'm buying the hype. And I have been since the beginning, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. I'm going all in Baker Mayfield's my gamer for the quarterback position. And uh, you have someone that I think has been kind of, uh, controversial in general <laughs> since he came into the league. Uh, but this yeah, year, this year, yeah. And this year yeah. I feel like people are all in on Jameis Winston or they don't believe the hype. And I want to hear it, man. Cause I'm, I'm on the fence. I've got him in a nice ranking, but it kind of makes my stomach churn a little bit. Yeah. I, I, and I, I, I totally agree with, with the concern about Jameis. He ultimately has yet to, to really truly, you know, show he can, consistently put up big time fan, uh, fantasy numbers in the NFL. Um, here, here, this, here's the deal. I mean, this is somebody, depending on who you're drafting with, you might be able to get as, you know, in the 13th round or so, uh, you know, uh, that's at least when I've been mocking, that's around where I've been able to take him. Um, and I think there are far too many people who believe that real life success means fantasy success. I think, um, uh, you know, Josh Allen is a good example who I'm kind of a fan of in terms of making some big developmental strides this upcoming year. Um, but, but last year, I mean, he won some fantasy owners, some championship. It doesn't necessarily mean he's a good quarterback or has, has good weapons at his disposal or something along those lines. I think, like I said, he's going to take a big step forward this year, but, um, but let's just look, kind of look at Jameis Winston's situation. And, and I think, you know, people are throwing shade on him a, because, Again, he hasn't necessarily shown it, but he also hasn't necessarily had much of a chance to show it. Um, and, uh, and also his, I think, off-the-field antics have, have kind of rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, justifiably so, but that doesn't necessarily you know, have any bearing on, on what he's going to do fantasy-wise this year. So let's look at who he's got. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and O.J. Howard at his disposal. I think a case could be made that that is the best trifecta of, we of passing weapons that anybody in the league has. Um, not just that, he now has Bruce Arians calling the plays, very, very little run game, um, and a horrendous defense, to be honest. So basically everything that that is basically equals, you know, a shit ton of pass attempts to high quality pass catchers. And that's, of course, remember that there's no Ryan Fitzpatrick here to back him up and, and kind of vulture games away from him this year. This is the year that they truly find out if Winston is uh, the Bucks' future quarterback, um, and I think, I think he's in my, he, for me, for me personally, he's in my top eight and I think he has top three upside in my personal opinion. Um, one of I was considering making one of my bold predictions that James Winston finishes as a top three quarterback. Um, I decided against it, but, um, but I, that I think is his upside, whether or not he hits it is a different story. Um, but I think given the weapons, given the situation, given the offense, he has way more upside than a lot of people who are being drafted ahead of him, like, I would say Matt Ryan, potentially, certainly Drew Brees, certainly um, uh, Cam Newton. Um, so, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm buying Jameis hard this year. Jameis Winston and Fitzmagic last year, the combination basically equaled out to be the quarterback two over the season if you put their stats together. So it is, uh, it is possible for sure, and Bruce Arians can definitely make it happen. I like it a lot. Let's go into our running backs. I have – Let's see. It was going to be Marlon Mack, but Andrew Luck retired. It was going to be Joe Mixon, but his entire offensive line is hurt. I love Joe Mixon, but he's not quite, not quite 
my gamer this year. It was going to be Melvin Gordon, but he's technically not on a team right now. It was going to be David Johnson, but the air raid hasn't been raiding much this preseason, and I'm a little nervous there. And it was going to be Kamara, but that seemed too obvious, and I thought it was kind of cheating to take a top three running back. So I settled on Carrion Johnson, who I love. I loved last year. Of course, Carrion is the 12th running back in ADP. He's my 12th running back as well. He missed the final six games with a knee sprain last year, but he did avoid structural damage, which is huge. He finished 18th in fantasy points per game with LeGarrette Blunt and Theo Riddick also in the backfield last year for Detroit. Blunt and Riddick are both gone, but the Lions did sign C.J. Anderson, who carried the Rams through the NFC playoffs last year once Gurley went down. Carrion posted 5.4 yards per carry before going down last year. Offensive coordinator Daryl Bevel stressed that the Lions will, quote, always be about the run, end quote, and the Lions won't win many games with that approach, of course, uh, in today's NFL, but that's great news for Carrion and C.J. Anderson, frankly. I think C.J. Anderson's kind of quietly one of the better uh, handcuffs in the league, and you can get him in your 15th round. Um, Carrion made it public that he – he personally didn't want to be or didn't think he was going to be a 20-touch back, which is kind of a red flag in fantasy. But I want to mention that he didn't do that last year anyway. The most touches he had in one single game was 21 when he had 19 rushes and two receptions in Week 7 versus Miami. Johnson exploded that game for 21 touches, 179 yards in that game. So I don't think he's going to need 20-plus touches a game to be effective. I'm having a hard time not ranking him higher on talent alone. And I wanted to go over Daryl Bevel really quickly. So Daryl Bevel, uh, for you, for you uh, youngins out there um, who weren't around in Adrian Peterson's prime, or maybe even missed Marshawn Lynch in Seattle, Daryl Bevel was responsible for both of those guys, uh, more or less. He's been in the top 10 in the league in rushing attempts. Um, seven of his 12 years, He's been in the top 10, six of his 12 years in rushing yards and in touchdowns. His uh, teams in 2007 and 2014 were first in the league in touchdowns and yardage as well. He likes to run the ball. He wants to run it a lot. I think on Johnson, even though he says he's not going to get, you know, 20 plus carries a game. Um, if this Lions offense can be somewhat productive, which I'm a little terrified of the offense in general, but you mentioned that Matthew Stafford's maybe a little sleeperish. I kind of agree with you. Kenny Galladay um, is obviously a budding star, and Marvin Jones is one of the most severely underrated receivers in the league, I think. Plus your boy TJ Hawkinson coming up. The Lions could do some damage from time to time if they're in positive game scripts. I like carrying on Johnson a lot on volume alone. Um, I don't think he's going to be incredible, but he's a dual threat running back. I think he's better than C.J. Anderson in general. He won't get surplanted unless it's a, an, an injury situation. Um, he led the SEC in rushing a couple years ago, which is very hard to do. So I'm going to put my stamp down on Carrion Johnson. Calling it right now, Carrion Johnson has a uh, 1,600 total yards. Damn. I'm that's, that's what I'm calling right now. Loving, right. loving that. Well, and, and your pick here is uh, <laughs> definitely a, a, well, a dual threat back, but I think – you know, I, I think Carrion's a little underrated in the pass game. Uh, I think mm -hmm. your player is underrated in the run game, actually. He accidentally scored 15 touchdowns last year. I'll, I'll let you introduce him, man. He's your boy. 
Well, I'm making the case that he didn't just accidentally score 15 touchdowns last year, that he very purposely scored 15 touchdowns last year. We'll see. Uh, I just think here's, here's my logic on, on uh, I suppose I should say his name, James White. James uh, White! James White, who is, who is uh, first of all, he's going to be our keep, my keeper, I think, in our league of record um, in the ninth round. Not a bad value, in my opinion. Um, I just think a lot of people are ignoring the fact that Rob Gronkowski is not there anymore um and instead not of, yet I, I think yeah well we'll see about that um i think i think nobody's really thinking about where those targets are going to be allocated i think they they're just assuming that it's going to be more um you know kind of more targets for wide receivers um but i'm not necessarily confident that's true there's a huge correlation actually believe it or not i was looking up this this some of the statistical stuff which is really cool um there's no correlations, as it turns out, between wide receiver targets and running back targets, but there are huge correlations between tight ends and running back targets. So basically, guys, so effectively what that's saying is that it's predicting a lot of those targets that went Gronk's way are now in some sense more likely to go to running backs, uh, or at least as likely to go to running backs than they are to go to receivers. Um, and you saw it already last year with the downturn in Gronk's career in 2018, which I knew all too well because I drafted him in the second round. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, you know, it's no coincidence that that's when James White started to see a ton of targets. 7.7 targets per game compared to 5.3 targets per game the previous two seasons. Um, and that was with Julian Edelman healthy for basically the whole year, at least after he came off suspension, I think in week five. Um, and, uh, and Josh Gordon being around uh, for, you know, most of the year. So what gives? I mean, I think people are just assuming that it was fluky, and I'm not necessarily uh, assuming that is. One, one other stat I'll throw, which is kind of crazy. It took an average of 12.5 PPR points to finish as an RB2 or better in 2018. James White hit that mark 12 times. Jesus. The, only, the only guys who did it more were Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, who both had 15, Zeke Elliott with 14, and Alvin Kamara with 13. All of the, I just literally listed the top four running backs that are going to go in drafts this year. So knowing that you're able to get White in, you know, as an RB3 or flex in the sixth round, to me is one of the steals of, of fantasy football this year. Um, so I'm, I'm ride or die with James White, um, quite literally, at least in our lead of record, I'm, I'm keeping him. Um, so, so I think last year was not a fluke. I think it's only going to improve this year. I have a bold prediction involving that, uh, which we'll talk about in our next episode, but for now I'll just leave it at that. Quickly, Michelle, Burkhart, Bolden, mm-hmm. Harris, all sorts of options in the, in the new England backfield without, you know, recording this before all the cuts, two of those guys are getting cut. Yeah. I think we've already talked about who we think it's going to be. Yep. Um, Sonny Michelle should be the starter. Damian Harris is a great uh, rookie running back um, out of Alabama. James White is James White. Are you concerned or do you think he's pretty supplanted in his role? I think he's, I think he's, he's set, to be perfectly honest. Sonny Michelle, I love Sonny Michelle. I actually think people are kind of, uh, had been kind of uh, uh, fading him a little bit mostly because of his knee issues and, and the fact that they do now have Damian Harris, who's a promising young rushing talent. But I don't think – Sony Michelle hasn't shown that he's got much as a pass catcher. I don't know that much about Damian Harris, to be honest, other than the fact that, that I, you know, I know he's talented and he you – know, especially as the year goes on, there's some, some hype that he could cut into Sony Michelle's targets or carries. 
I don't actually think that's true. I, I think that Damian Harris's time is going to come in a future season. Um, but, uh, but I think James White is arguably the safest of, of that group, in my opinion, in terms of uh, he has his role. We know Tom Brady loves to throw to him, especially as he's getting older. Um, you know, he's a, he's a, you know, really, really solid kind of safety net for him. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, I'm not concerned about that at all for, for James White. And okay. we know, and we know that that offense is capable of, of sustaining a lot of players in general. We know that. Right. So, so I think, uh, I think they, I think it's going to be fine. All right. He did leave, uh, uh, Harris, um, left the, uh, third game briefly, but it looks like he'll be all right by, right. Right. Game one uh, coming up in a couple of weeks. So I agree, man. We love James White here on the podcast, and I'm, I'm glad you brought him up again. Word. Let's go to the receivers. My man, my number one receiver going into the season, number two in ADP, Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams finished wide receiver two overall in PPR, trailing DeAndre Hopkins by only three and a half total PPR points. However, Hopkins played a full 16 games, Devontae played 15. I have to imagine if Devontae played one more game, he probably would have had at least four points, giving him the number one overall wide receiver to end the season last year. Adams is once again getting praise from his quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, saying, quote, I'd like to throw to to Devontae more. He's that open. We've got to keep finding ways to get him the ball, end quote. And I've said it on the podcast before. I'll say it again. What Rodgers gets, Rodgers wants. And in this case, what Rodgers wants, uh, Adams gets, which is going to be exciting for him. He finished third in target share, second in targets, first in red zone target share, 10th in end zone target share, fifth in reception, seventh in receiving yards, 15th in yards per route run, and fantasy points per route, which is pretty funny to think about how dominant he was and his stats aren't even that incredible it's just the efficiency that he has and the volume that he gets from Rodgers is pretty incredible um he was uh tied with eric ebron for second uh in touchdowns receptions um behind only antonio brown with 15 ebron and Devonte adams had 13 apiece ebron actually ran one in uh stumbled in from the one yard line which was hilarious um, and just 75% of his targets were deemed catchable, which I think is very interesting uh, with the accuracy with Rodgers. But Rodgers basically played on a broken leg last year. He's coming back healthy. I've mentioned multiple times in our previous episode. I think he's coming back to prove himself again, prove himself that he's still, quote, Aaron Rodgers. I do know that they have Geronimo Allison and MVS and Equinemius St. Brown, who's now probably done with a bad knee injury. Jamon Moore, Jake Kumaro, and um, tight ends. Uh, Jay Sternberger and Jimmy Graham, but none of them are in Adams's league. And I just think that uh, Rogers and Adams have a rapport that you don't see often in the league as tight as they are. Um, Antonio Brown and big Ben have it. Watson and uh, Hopkins had it, you know, some of those guys, Dalton and AJ green. Um, when you're at that level, Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, of course, when you're at that level um, you're in another tier. And I think that Devonta Adams is going to be the number one receiver, but, Honestly, maybe by a bunch this year, the way that I think Aaron Rodgers is going to play. So my gamer this year at the wide receiver position is Devontae Adams, which might be cheating, taking the number one, number two option. I just want to put my stamp down that I think that's legit. I think it's very reasonable to conclude that he's going to be the number one receiver. However, I'm going to make a case that a different guy is going to be the number one receiver, but uh, that's not to say that I'm throwing shade on Devontae. It's more that I'm hyping up this guy who is uh, Odell Beckham, um, another kind of, 
in some sense cheat because he's obviously one of the top receivers going in drafts. But he is, however, going after a lot of guys that I would not be surprised if he finished ahead of. Um, I think his biggest threats are, are New Hopkins and, and uh, your boy Devontae. But he's going, I think he's going behind Julio. He's going behind Michael Thomas. I wouldn't be surprised if he easily out, outperformed those two. And I think he has a very real chance of outperforming uh, uh, Devontae and New Hopkins as well. Um, by one metric that I, that I dug up, Beckham has actually been the best fantasy wide receiver in, in the past 20 years, actually. Um, so there's, there's a stat that I, that I pulled up where he's posted wide receiver two or better numbers in 73% of his games. No other receiver has hit that even more than 65% of the time. Jesus. And that was actually – the next is actually Julio Jones. Um, and he did that with, with an aging Eli Manning. Uh, now he gets Baker Mayfield. I think there's legitimately record-breaking mm. potential here. Um, and I, I – just for the – just to kind of refresh, uh, if anybody who's been listening to us since last season, he was my gamer last year. Um, if Beckham had played all 16 games last season at, at his pace, he would have had 102 receptions, which was as many as Stefan Diggs. but Beckham already out yarded Diggs in just 12 games. And that, again, that wasn't with, that wasn't with, that wasn't with Baker Mayfield throwing to him in an offense that's going to be bolstered by new offensive minds in Cleveland. Like I said, I think he has the highest ceiling of any receiver in football. Um, I think he's, in, in my opinion, he's the most talented receiver in football. Um, I think playing in New York with Eli, he hasn't had a chance to truly, uh, in some sense, reach his ceiling, which is kind of a terrifying thought. Um, and I think he's going to do that this year. I love it. I picked Baker Mayfield. You pick Odell Beckham. Giddy up on the Browns. Giddy up. My tight end is Hunter Henry. He's the ADP tight end six. He's my tight end five. Henry missed 2018 with a torn ACL, as we all know. A lot of hype coming in last year. He blew his knee out in training camp, done for the season. A lot of hype coming in this year. Let's just hope he can stay healthy, just like Odell needs to stay healthy. Uh, let's see, Hunter Henry missed four games in 2017 as well, and three more as a rookie in 2016. So, you know, playing time is obviously the biggest concern here. However, uh, Henry should have huge upside, both over the middle and in the red zone and the end zone. Rivers has always loved Antonio Gates. When it matters, and Henry is now in that role, hopefully. As of this podcast, Gordon is holding out. And if Henry, if Henry can give you 12 to 14 games at full potential for the Chargers offense, he should be able to be close to about 90 targets, 65 receptions, 800 yards, and about eight touchdowns. Those are Antonio Gates' general average numbers over the past few years on his descending uh, from his incredible career. That would make Hunter Henry about a top six tight end in 2018. I think he you know, far surpasses that as those are pretty modest predictions if he can stay healthy. So I like Hunter Henry a lot. Um, I think once you get out of the top three tight ends, as we all know, you have the next three tight ends. You're going to talk about another one of these guys here in a second. But in my opinion, I love O.J. Howard. I don't dislike Evan Ingram, but I think Evan Ingram has the biggest chance to bust out of those next three outside of an injury, um, just with the shit show going on in, in, in New York. So there's a lot of hype on O.J. Howard, so I wanted to kind of take a different route and, and dissect Hunter Henry a little bit deeper and get back into it. Um, love O.J. Howard, who – 
uh, spoiler alert, we'll hear about in just a second, but I wanted to dive deeper into uh, Hunter Henry, and I have those guys kind of neck and neck, but I will give the edge to O.J. Howard. However, with a hunt, uh, healthy Hunter Henry, he could be top three, no problem. Yeah, it's interesting. Out of your gamers, I think this is the one that qualifies as maybe the most bold, if you will. Um, yep, it's game. just about health, dude. It's about health, right? I mean, it's it's bold, I think, to pick to pick a guy who didn't play last year as mm-hmm. as as a gamer. But I like it overall. I love. I mean, we've all seen what he can do. Um, he's not old by any stretch of the imagination, so he's so he's perfectly within range of he's, he's, he like, I don't even think he's his I, I think no, he's he like away from his prime yeah he, he yeah, could yeah. he could put in another you know six six eight quality years if he could just stay healthy for sure for sure and and, and we've seen what he can do at his peak so so I think I like the pick overall um, I went as as you already talked about I went with OJ Howard I think he represents a little more st- uh, kind of a, a, a stable pick if you will than Hunter Henry although I do agree that Hunter Henry has at least as much upside um this is just kind of an overall, you know, I took James as my quarterback. Um, I, I, I'm buying the Bucks hard this year. Not maybe not as a real football team, but as certain, certainly as a, as a fantasy offense. Um, I, one of my, I was thinking about making one of my bold predictions that the Bucks were going to turn out five fantasy starters uh, fan, uh, it, it, from their offense this year. Um, OJ Howard is certainly one of those. I also think he has a very real shot to outperform. Uh, I don't know about Kelsey, but certainly I think he has a shot to outperform both Kittle and Ertz. Um, Howard had 11.8 yards per target last year, which is this is crazy, actually. The second highest mark of all time among tight ends who saw at least 40 targets. Mm. Um, his mark of 11.1 yards per target in 2017 would be fifth all time, but he missed the cutoff by, by uh, one target. He had 39 targets that year. Um, so, so add that all together, his career mark of 11.5 yards per target is actually the best of all time since they started tracking targets. Um, so the, the, the summary of all that, he's posting absurd numbers. Uh, he had his year curtailed last year by, uh, by injury. Um, the Bucks don't have a pass catching running back who can cap his target numbers. Remember, I just, when I was talking about James, White, I was talking about the link between tight end targets and running back targets. The Bucks don't really have that. Um, so, so uh, I think, I think that that's going to translate to an enormous amount of targets for OJ Howard and those targets have a chance at being really substantial, not just little five yard dump offs. So, um, so I think he, he has, as much upside as, as any tight end in the league, I think, but with the possible exception of tra- Travis Kelsey. Um, and, uh, and I think he's going to be a monster. I love it. I've got OJ Howard as one of my breakouts, so I totally yep. agree. Yep. Well, let me recap the gamers for this year from you and me. I've got Baker Mayfield, on Johnson, Devontae Adams, and Hunter Henry. And Daniel's got Jameis Winston, James White, Odo Beckham, and OJ Howard. Before we get into the rest of the episode, let's take a quick break here. If you'd like what you're hearing and you want to find us outside of the podcast, please like and follow us on Instagram at fantasyfootball underscore TCK pod, on Twitter at TCK underscore pod, on Facebook at the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast. And of course, you can always drop us an email at tckpod at gmail.com. Of course, please leave us a rate and review here on the podcast as well. And stay tuned for the upcoming website. So before we get into our will not draft players, here's a quick word from our sponsor, Anchor. Stay tuned. All 
Hey, TCK Potters, I want to give a shout out to Anchor, which is the podcast avenue we record with to bring you these episodes. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. Like, how do I record a podcast? How do I record an episode? How do I get the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast onto all of the apps that people are listening to? And how can I reach as many people as possible for free and make money at the same time from my podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is Anchor. Anchor is the one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now Anchor can match you up with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to podcast right away. Gaining some revenue from those podcast sponsors is essential to making necessary upgrades to the podcast and your overall brand. I appreciate how user-friendly Anchor is and how we can record our episodes via our computers or over the phone, similar to a voice memo or a phone call, and we can record these episodes, edit them down as needed, upload them, and boom, the episode is ready to launch. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and even make money doing it, go to anchor.fm forward slash start. That's anchor.fm slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. One more time, that's anchor. Dot fm slash start i can't wait to hear your podcast all right so we've wrapped up our gamers the guys that we will ride or die with that we're going to be targeting in almost all of our fantasy draft now we're going to switch gears and do our will not draft list so these are players uh kind of similar to our bust category which we which we did uh in an earlier episode um some of these guys are going to be guys that we just think they're adp is way too high for our taste, but maybe to a greater extent uh, than, than just the simple bust category. Some of these guys might be just, be just players that we're flat out avoiding at any cost at any point in the draft. Um, so there's going to be to some variability here. But the, 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 the big picture here is these are all guys where we're uh, not recommending uh, as you head into your fantasy draft. So I'll go ahead and start it off at the quarterback position. I'm choosing J- uh, Jared Goff. Now, I wouldn't necessarily be super upset with you if you took Goff in, you know, maybe round 12 or later or something like that. Although, as I mentioned just a bit ago, you might be able to get Jameis Winston around that time, who I think is going to outperform Goff to an almost comical extent. Um, but I think his early, uh, his early ADP, at least last time I checked this, which admittedly was a couple weeks ago, I think his ADP was around 77th overall. Um, and I'm worried, quite frankly, about how defenses are going to go about attacking him and the Rams offense more broadly after the Patriots absolutely annihilated him in the Super Bowl uh, last year. Uh, I'm also concerned that the Rams offensive line could be worse without they, they lost two of their starters from last year. Um, and the other big question is, is it too much to ask of Goff to shoulder the load of this offense? If Todd Gurley is not hundred percent, which I think we can, you know, all agree that there's at least some concern there. Um, so I, I'm not anti Jared Goff per se, although I do think it's, you know, it, it, you should pay really close attention to his numbers towards the end of last year, which went downhill real, real fast and real, real far. Um, and I think those are not, those, those are not flukes in my opinion. I think teams are figuring out how to attack the Rams offense more broadly. Uh, like I said, the Patriots did it uh, expertly in the Super Bowl. Um, and, uh, and, and so I'm, I'm, you know, a concern about a number of players in that offense, to be honest, but I think Goff may be the chief among them uh, in terms of guys that I think people are just majorly overvaluing. So he's somebody that, uh, especially in redraft leagues, uh, he might hold a little more value in dynasty leagues, but in redraft leagues, I'm mostly avoiding at all costs. 
Jared Goff right now is going 90th overall. Okay, so he has fallen at least a little bit from where he was earlier, which is good. But Now, of course, that's all players. Of course, he's not the 90th quarterback. That's all players in PPR leagues. He's the eighth quarterback in ADP off the board in the eighth round right now. That's great. Um, I am with you. I, uh, I, th- I think he's going to have a rude awakening. Um, th- I think the more and more the, the summer pans out and the closer we get to the season, I'm less concerned about Todd Gurley, actually. I'm not excited about him by any means, but I'm less kind of like full-on nervous about it. Um, that being said, he's not going to be for real Todd Gurley, I don't think. Uh, and Goff, or excuse me, Cup, um, is potentially going to miss some games to start the season, even if he's healthy and starting. Um, I don't think he's going to be full bore. I know there was a report recently that came out that Jake Glazer said that he was uh, actually he was outperforming his speed metrics better than when than before he got hurt. Uh, I don't know how all that works, but that sounded interesting. Um, nonetheless, we know that when Cup went down last year, Goff. Um, didn't plummet per se because the Rams are fucking incredible, but he definitely had his uh, his efficiency diminish, and of course he got um, you know Belichicked. But um, I agree with you. I'm I'm fading Goff as well. Actually, I still I think I have him QB. I do QB 13 right now. I actually had him at QB 10 at one point this summer, but I'm fading a little bit more because um, if they don't have that running back situation panned out the way that they thought they were going to Gurley's not a hundred percent. I think Malcolm Brown is actually the uh, handcuff, believe it or not. Um, Darrell Henderson is a great athlete, but he hasn't had a great summer so far. So that might take some time. And then, you know, cooks and woods are awesome, but cup I think is where the offense runs through actually. Uh, and Josh Reynolds, of course, well, but, obviously. but I, uh, I, I'm with you that I, I think I'm actually fading golf too. Um, and in the ninth round, I think there's other, there's other better options. I would rather go with Jameis. Like you said, I'd like to take my boy Dak, Mitch Trubisky, mm-hmm. even, um, you know, I'd even, I'd even take uh, Lamar Jackson or, or Allen as well. So I am with you there. The next one um, is maybe another controversial one, depending on how you feel about this situation, but mine is big Ben. I am not drafting big Ben as QB 15 as the public is. He's my QB 20 and he's, probably going to be lower than that disclaimer i love juju smith schuster i also love uh james washington and i happen to love (laughs) both the running backs for the steelers but somehow i'm calculating in my brain that big ben is not going to be that good this year he finishes a qb2 in 2018 and set career highs in attempts completions passing yards and touchdowns he also led the league in um oh he also led the league in pass attempts uh, he did, of course, lose Antonio Brown to Oakland and now relies on Juju to be the AB. I do love Juju Schuster, but that is a tall task. Antonio Brown was seventh in yards per catch, and Juju was first in yards per catch. That tells me that those two guys padded Big Ben's stats significantly. Now, to have Juju do that again, I think could definitely happen, but I don't think that anybody else on the Steelers is going to do that as well. So um, he had the 70 70- second ranked catchable rate at 71 percent so basically his pass catchers bailed him out constantly on bad passes ben is steady for sure he's he's a streamer especially at home especially on primetime games he always shows up he'll throw five touchdowns eventually but i think he takes a step back in 2019 and i just don't think he has the rushing upside he used to when he was younger juju is awesome but i he's just he's not antonio brown yet and 
with Antonio Brown, they had Juju. I like James Washington a lot. I think he's a deep dart throw for sure, but he's not Juju yet. So I don't think they're going to have that combo. I know Vance is getting a lot of uh, prep this year, but you know we watched him in San Francisco a long time. I'm worried about his injuries. So I just think overall, Big Ben is going to take a step back, and uh, they're not going to throw the ball 700 times this year. So I think James Conner has a nice year. I think Jalen Samuels has a nice year. Juju gets it done on his side, but I think overall Big Ben – um, is definitely not QB two, but I, I think he's I think he's frankly borderline outside the top twenty. Yep, I think I think this is largely uh, you know uh, the reason why I'm actually predicting that the Steelers don't make the playoffs this year. Um, I think that they're going to be roughly a, a you know a, a so a, you know a, an okay team, um, and I think this is the big reason why out of the kind of aging quarterbacks in the NFL that are still kind of fantasy relevant. I think Big Ben is the one I'm most concerned about. I talked about Drew Brees as my bust because his ADP concerns me, but I think Drew Brees has a lot more upside and I think has a much better chance of a much higher floor as well um, than, than Big Ben. Big Ben is a major concern this this year for everything you just said. And of course you're please tell me you're taking Drew Brees before Big Ben. Of course, yes, by a lot. Uh, Big Ben is is arguably not maybe at the very end of a draft, but I think you're better off going for, uh, you know, a young quarterback with upside like Sam Darnold uh, or Josh Allen that rather than going after Big Ben. Um, anyway, moving on to running backs, uh, I'm going to go with Derrick Henry. So I think a case could be made that Derrick Henry is one of the most divisive players. I think going in, you know, relatively early in drafts, um, you know, his 2018 numbers were, were undoubtedly pretty impressive. 1,059 yards, 12 touchdowns, right? Sounds great. If you look closer, you'll see that 585 of those yards came in the final four games of the season. <laughs> so that came out to literally over 50%, 55% for, for, uh, for to be exact, 55% of his production came in four fucking games, which is simply unsustainable. Um, in the 12 games prior, he never exceeded 58 yards, and he was basically borderline unstartable, I would say. Yep. Um, and, and he wasn't being started. I remember who – I can't remember who owned him in our league, but who didn't play him that game that he went off for like uh, a million yards. It was our boy Skalski. He had him on the bench. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, which, I mean, you know – I He should have. Oh, yeah, exactly. It was the right yeah. He was terrible. And he was playing Jacksonville. Yeah, that's right. He was playing Jacksonville. Um, and, and, you know, it wasn't like he, he had shown that much in 2017 either. So um, I think what makes him even less appealing is he has basically no usage in the passing game. Uh, he only saw 18 passing targets in 2018. He reeled in 15 of those for a measly 99 yards. Deion Lewis still hanging around. First of all, he's going to take passing down work from him. And he's looked great, quite frankly, he really uh, has. This, this preseason. So he's going to demand a good portion of carries as well. So all this adds up to a situation, generally speaking, I want nothing to do with. I think Henry is a, is a touchdown dependent back and he will get those. I mean, he's one of these kind of battering Rams who can, who can, you know, be in there at the goal line and can score some touchdowns. Um, but I, I just don't like to, to, you know, hedge, uh, you know, a relatively early round pick on a guy like that when you could go after somebody, uh, like, I don't know, even Chris Carson, I think, has a lot more upside. There's a lot of other running backs around that point in the draft that I think uh, you would be better off uh, going after than Derrick Henry. Right. I totally agree. I'm not drafting him at all. He's actually on my do not draft list as well. And a lot of a lot of it has to do with me just being unsure what the Titans are going to actually be. So not yeah. not feeling Derrick Henry. Yeah. My guy is... 
Devonta Freeman, I've talked about him, um, I feel like, enough on this podcast, but I had to put him in the do not draft category, and I, you know, you and I have already talked about him. I know what he's capable of. 2015, he was number one. I understand all that, but since then, he's been injured. I don't have to go through all of his injuries. Again, I've made plenty of posts about it, but basically, he's had a right knee contusion. He had a bruise uh, in his foot. He had a sports hernia that put him on the IR. He's also had multiple concussions and a sprained MCL and PCL over the last couple of years. He uh, has some new competition with your boy Ito Smith, who I personally don't think is very special, but you made a, a nice case about him earlier in a previous episode. Also, I think personally the name to watch in, in the Atlanta backfield is actually Brian Hill, uh, who has had a, a really nice um, – preseason so far they also have quadri allison too assuming he makes the team um and i'm just i'm really i'm really concerned about it this is just one of those guys who seems to be injury prone i know the talent is there but you know taking him he's the 16th uh running back in adp right now um he's my 19 i I don't even want him that high um but just the upside in that offense you know is hard for me to get away from him but drafting him in the second third round absolutely not there's no fucking way um there's no possible way if he were to fall like the fourth round somehow sure i'll take a look just on the upside um but that's not going to happen and and i just he's not worth the risk for me sometimes some of these players even derrick henry i would make a case that he's a little bit more worth the risk reward because if he gets 300 touches he'll beast out um uh, Leonard Fournette is another guy worth the risk. Devonta Freeman, at this point, not not worth the risk for me. So I'm I'm fading him completely. You talked about it at the at the top of the segment. Some of these guys are ADP um, driven, like Goff um, and like Big Ben. Devonta Freeman, straight up, I'm not drafting him. Period. Yeah, I kind of feel I, I I don't know if I'd go that far. I think I would draft him if the price was right uh, because of the fact that I do think the talent is there. But I think. Yeah, so, so the first is, is whether or not he'll stay healthy. I think, you know, there's enough concern there to not take him where he's being taken. But even, even let's assume he, he doesn't sustain any major injuries and generally plays for the whole season, you have to believe at this point in his career after he suffered this many injuries, he's not going to be the same type of workhorse. He's going no. to cede touches to Ito Smith or, or uh, you know, whoever you think is going to be the, Bri- end up being the guy. Brian Hill, Brian I'm Hill, telling you guys. Brian Hill, maybe Brian Hill. I don't know. I don't know enough about him, but I'm still, I'm still hitting on Ito Smith. I think he's going to be the – I think he's going to get a substantial number of carries, like I said, even if Reven is on the field. Um, so he's just not – I don't think he's the bell cow at this point in his career and after this many injuries that he was. So, so yes, I, I am 100% on board with that pick. Um, Moving on to wide receiver, and this is kind of cheating, at least it seems like cheating now. But just for the record, I named it's Antonio Brown, and I plan on naming Brown as my wide receiver bust even before his feet suffered frostbite from a cryotherapy machine and he threatened to quit and or sue football over a helmet issue. So, so I will say I was on that train before all that happened, but now that all that has happened, I think it's safe to say that he's not somebody I'm overly interested in drafts. And I'll talk, I'll make the case. I'm going to forget all this, all the ridiculousness of, of how Antonio Brown has apparently gone insane. I'm going to just kind of leave, leave that on the, on keep the it to football. Cause, Cause we already know how crazy it is. Um, I'm just going to make a football case for why he's not worth drafting where he's being drafted. So, 
Namely, he has Derek Carr throwing him the football now, which is not – I'm not a Derek Carr hater per se, but I do think he's a step down from the ideal conditions in Pittsburgh, even if you do expect some regression from Big Ben like you just got make, made the case, which I agree. But I still think, you know, Big Ben is, is, a, is a, certainly an improvement on Derek Carr. Um, and I think it's particularly – Brown's a particularly awkward fit with a quarterback who's known for rarely throwing deep after Brown led the NFL in downfield targets over the last three years. So I think it's just, it was kind of a forced move. I think the Raiders saw, you know, an opening because the, uh, uh, excuse me, the Steelers needed to get rid of Antonio Brown and they were able to get him for, for not without giving up very much. So I think that's why they did it obviously, but I don't think he's a particularly good fit for the Raiders. I don't think he's going to have even close to the same types of numbers that we've been uh, seeing from Antonio Brown. Also of note, Oakland has a really tough schedule against the pass. Mm -hmm. Um, And Brown is, he's not old, old per se, but he is on the wrong side of 30. He's coming off his lowest yards per target mark since 2012, which was 7.7. So again, there was already lots of reasons to pass at his ADP, even before all this ridiculous, you know, helmet nonsense and frostbite nonsense and whatever the hell else is going on with ab these days um but uh but yeah so needless to say with all that combined i'm i'm not going anywhere near antonio brown maybe at all um if by some miracle he fell you know past the likes of you know this kind of stefan diggs julian edelman uh chris godwin you know category i think i would might you know be willing to give him a look but nothing nothing higher than that right now ab is the 10th receiver in ppr leagues he's got Thielen. Evans ahead of him and Keenan Allen and Diggs right behind him. Um, if Antonio Brown were to fall to the third round, yeah. I feel like you might as well because he's still arguably one of the most talented receivers ever to play the game. Frankly, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, he's a fucking maroon, which I you know I understand, and I'm not <laughs> I'm not super into Derek Carr either. Um, but I mean, if you get him in the in the third round or something, it's probably worth the circus. Just make sure that you you know, grab Terrell Williams uh, in the back because he might end up being the number one later. I'm with you. I'm fading A.B. for show as well. My next receiver is kind of a controversial one. It's Tyler Lockett. He's got an ADP, wide receiver 21. I've got him at 25. Not a huge difference here, but there are other players in that area I'd rather have. Now, Lockett was a great player last year. I'm sure he'll be a great player this year, but I'm avoiding him in his current ADP. Lockett and Wilson were incredibly efficient last season, combining for a league-best 153.8 QBR for Wilson when targeting Lockett. Literally as good as you can get. Now, that's amazing, but I don't see it happening again this year. A lot of that efficiency came from Lockett leading the league in yards per target at 13.6, fantasy points per target at 3.1, being 10th in yards per reception at 16.9, and pulling in 10 touchdowns. However, Seattle was last in the league in team pass plays with 29.9, about 30 per game. And Lockett was 58th in targets, 49th in target share with 17.7, only six targets in the red zone and seven targets in the end zone. Now, Lockett led the team in receptions, receiving yards, touchdowns, but he's also no longer a secret and the teams are game planning for him with Doug Baldwin now out and retired. In Lockett's first three seasons, he had very similar targets and receptions, but much lower efficiency than in 2018. I expect him to regress majorly in 2019. Because of a ball control game script, regression uh, of efficiency, and DK Metcalf eventually coming back, David Moore eventually getting healthy, 
Uh, I can't put Lockett any higher than wide receiver 24. I think he will, you know, he could beast out again for a top 20 upside, obviously, but I don't see it happening in 2019. And he will probably start hot. So if you draft him, I think you'd be okay. But I would look to to trade him come week four or five, depending on DK Metcalf and the rest of this offense, seeing how the run game works. He might be a great trade option to get rid of if you draft him um, in draft season. And uh, he's not terrible value in the back of the fourth round, but I just don't think he's going to outperform Calvin Ridley, Tyler Boyd, or Mike Williams. I'd rather have all those guys uh, who are going behind him right now in drafts. Yep. Uh, I think, you know, this is, I actually like Tyler Lockett a lot as a player. I think, I think he's still a worthwhile target in, in sort of the, the early middle rounds of drafts, but I agree with you. It's all about the ADP here. I don't know if I'd label him as a flat out will not draft, but definitely he has bust written all over him, mostly because I'm just not taking anybody in that Seattle passing game. I'm not taking DK Metcalf, not this year in a dynasty league, maybe. No. I mean, I, I, I think, I think, basically that entire passing game is a big pass for me, including Russell Wilson. Um, and that's after I was all up on his dick last year. So it's, uh, <laughs> so I, this, that's majorly hard for me to say, cause I love Russell Wilson, but I, I think, I think both Chris Carson and Rashad Penny are worth owning. I think they have the potential to be one of the better running back tandems in football, both in reality and fantasy. I think they could both put up significant numbers given how much they're going to run the ball, but I'm, I'm fading that entire passing game. So I agree with you. All right. On to tight end, our last position. I'm going to make this super quick because we've already talked about this player quite a bit. Um, and, and my tight end will not draft is Eric Ebron. And this is, to me, a hard will not draft. I don't think I would take him in any point in the draft, given the fact that you could probably do better towards the end of drafts in terms of, you know, you already talked about Mark Andrews quite a bit. I like the rookies, TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant. Um, there's also a lot of other, you know, uh, very worthy targets at that point, like uh, Chris Herndon, et cetera. I just think Ebron, uh, you know, it's I, not to brag, but I, it's funny. I pegged Ebron as a major sleeper last year, um, but, but nailed it now, now yeah, because I think I just thought that Detroit didn't give him a fair shake. I thought he was always quite talented. Um, I was concerned about Jack Doyle's sort of uh, potential health. And all that kind of came to fruition. And I ended up basically getting, I think, quite lucky with that pick. But it's obvious that he's not going to repeat last season's numbers. He's not going to continue to score on 12% of his freaking targets. Um, and again, this is, I, you know, I kind of came up with all these notes, assuming I was talking about Andrew Luck. And now I'm not even talking about Andrew Luck. Um, so he was not targeted very much last year. He, was, he got 3.7 targets per game. Uh, when Jack Doyle was on the field. Uh, so assuming Jack Doyle is there, he's not going to be uh, a major part of the passing game. Um, uh, so, so yeah, I think this is, uh, this is just a, to me, kind of a no brainer will not draft pick. It's also worth noting that the Colts added both Devin Funchess and Paris Campbell, not to say that I'm in love with, with either uh, in particular, but nevertheless, there's just, I, especially without Andrew Luck, I just, there's just not enough targets to go around and Ebron is going to, um, I think maybe bear the worst brunt of that. Uh, I think a case could be made. Uh, I talked about it a lot back player and it just, you know, when Jack Doyle is on the field, he is out or did outpace uh, Eric Ebron. 
Um, and if you if you go back and actually before the Andrew Luck news, when I was talking about Jack Doyle, I actually mentioned the numbers that Jack Doyle and Jacoby Brissett put up in 2017 when Luck was out, and those are pretty solid numbers too. So I'm also worried about Eric Ebron. I actually happen to be the beneficiary in the league of record of scooping Eric Ebron off of the waivers and uh, because I picked Trey Burton, and that didn't work out. So I grabbed Eric Ebron and uh, rode all the way to the championship with him. Um, behind his uh, 14 touchdowns. Um, I agree with you, man. I'm obviously fading the, but I think uh, Ebron, if he doesn't catch another 10 touchdowns, is going to fade for sure. And my last, uh, my last will not draft player is really silly. And this is just fucking dumb that he's even on this list. But I just want to mention the fact that I'm not reaching for this player in the third round. And that is Zach Ertz. He's the tight end too. He's my three. I've got Ertz, or I've got Kittle ahead of him and Kelsey. Obviously, we all know what Ertz is capable of. He set the record last year for receiving uh, receptions by a tight end. Don't need to go over all of his stats. What I'm concerned about is there's basically no reason the Eagles wouldn't give him another hundred plus targets. But with another year of Dallas Goddard, who I love, Deshaun Jackson back in Philadelphia, rookie JJ Arcega Whiteside out of Stanford, who has looked amazing in the preseason, um, and. He's basically uh, – Arcega Whiteside's had comps to Des Bryant, and, uh, which is just beastly. Um, and then Alshon Jeffrey, of course, and Nelson Aguilar, who's still there. And there's also – I think last time I looked at their depth chart, I think there was 17 running backs in Philadelphia. I can't remember if that's correct or not. But nonetheless, <laughs> there's many, many options uh, to catch the ball and to get touches. Ertz is the number one, two, and three option, I think, for uh, – Wentz, which is great, but with him exploding last year, I think that he's going to be double covered over the middle. Um, and I really, really believe that Dallas Goddard shines this year. And I would not be surprised if Ertz has more catches and more yards, but Goddard has more touchdowns than Ertz. And at the tight end position, that's a huge swing, a la Eric Ebron. So I like the rise of Dallas Goddard which I think is just going to cut into Zach Ertz. I don't think Zach Ertz is a bust by any means. I'm just not going to draft him because I'm definitely not drafting him in the second round, probably not going to draft him in the third round, and he's not going to get to me in the fourth. So I'm just kind of putting it out there that I might go for Kelsey mid-second, maybe go for Kittle uh, with the upside, but I think Zach Ertz, I think we saw his ceiling last year, and I think that's going to be definitely – definitely um, held in check this year with all the other weapons, especially Dallas Goddard this season. I would rather look for your boy Howard, um, definitely look for Hunter Henry, as I already mentioned, uh, or I'd be looking for Cook in the seventh or Andrew, um, Mark Andrews in the 13th, and I would just, just wait and hope for a breakout. Now, if Ertz catches another you know, 120 balls and uh, I look like a buffoon, um, I'll eat it because he's definitely capable of doing that. I just, um, I don't see it happening, uh, unfortunately. And a uh, side note, Zach Ertz and, um, and uh, Andrew Luck were teammates at yeah, Stanford. Yeah, very true. Um, man, this, we've pretty much agreed the whole episode. I think this is going to be the one, th- you know, and I, <laughs> I, I'm kind of hedging my language a little bit because I, I, I get your point and I do agree with you about Dallas Goddard. Um, the, the difference is, is I think there's room for both of those guys to operate. I do think they will use a lot of two tight end sets. And I think that Ertz is still going to be a target monster, which is a, I will always take targets over potential touchdowns in PPR leagues. 
Um, I'm not worried. I, I mean, I think Deshaun Jackson is an interesting target in fantasy circles for, for various reasons, but we know his role. I think he'll have it. I don't think he's going to be a target monster by any stretch of the imagination. Alshon Jeffries, all right. Um, you know, but I think ultimately, I think there's still enough room uh, for him to, 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 to put up, I don't know about the same types of numbers. I mean, what he did last year was pretty ridiculous, but I think there's room for him to put up numbers that make him worth uh, a top three tight end pick. Um, I think, you know, like I've been mocking where I, in, in our league of record, I'm going to be the 11th pick uh, in the third round. And I have been taking him there. That's towards the end of the third round. So I think that's sort of reasonable. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I think I agree with everything you're saying. I just still think he's going to produce. I think Carson Wentz and him obviously work very well together. Um, I think, I think even with all of those other factors, I think that's an offense that has a chance to be incredibly high powered and potentially sustain a number of top fantasy performers. Um, so I, I, I think I'm going to go ahead and disagree with you. I may end up eating my words. I agree with you that there's plenty of benefit to just waiting a little bit longer and taking OJ Howard or Hunter Henry, or even waiting longer than that and taking, uh, you know, David Njoku or, or like you said, farther Mark Andrews. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think, I still think he has, a, has a real, you know, a real shot to be fantasy monsters. In fact, I think both he and Goddard are both going to potentially be fantasy monsters. I have a crazy call <laughs> about that, which we'll get to next episode. Stay tuned listeners. Um, uh, but yeah, so I think out of all the, I've agreed with you this entire episode. I think this is the one where I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and say that I'm not quite on board though. I agree with you. I, I, I get your reasoning for sure. I will not draft players for Daniel, Jared Goff, Derek Henry, Antonio Brown, and Eric Ebron for myself, Big Ben, Devontae Freeman, Tyler Lockett, Zach Ertz. That'll do it for this episode. Be sure to email us at tckpod at gmail.com or shoot us a DM on Instagram at fantasyfootball underscore tckpod. You can also find us on Twitter at tck underscore pod or on Facebook at the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast. And shortly via our website dropping soon as well. New TCK Pod member Lucas has been working diligently behind the scenes to prep the website. That'll have my updated pre-draft rankings, regular season weekly rankings, waiver wire pickup recommendations, articles from Lucas, and more. If you've gained any value from this episode, please leave a rate and review for the podcast and give us a like and a follow on social medias. It really does mean the world to us. Make the most of the rest of your day, and we'll catch you next time on the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. For Daniel Stancato, I'm Sky Guasco, and we are out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.